Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. We've got a great result for you this week with a big win at Chelsea. Put us out of the relegation zone and steered us clear by about three points right now. Still got plenty of games to go. Still some important games coming up. But let's uh, look back at this Chelsea game, see what we did right. And uh, Chris, start us off. Yeah, let's let's get started with talking about the perhaps the biggest talking point of the match, which was the very controversial VAR decision to rule off what would have been Suchek's first goal in a West Ham shirt. Uh, let's start off by Chris and I were talking about this earlier, and we wanted to we kind of like what why is the Premier League so inconsistent? And so we're just going to read before we before we get into the discussion, we're just going to read the VAR on the Premier League website. So they say that uh, all Premier League games will have a VAR who is constantly monitoring the match and will be used only for, quote, clear and obvious errors, end quote, or, quote, serious missed incidents uh, in, in four different match-changing situations, which are goals, penalty decisions, direct red cards, and mistaken identity. And what, one thing they also mention after that is that factual decisions, such as offside or if a foul was committed inside or outside the penalty area, will not be subject to the clear and obvious error test. So, Chris, with that in mind, what do you think of this decision? So, based on that reading, the offsides does not abide by clear and obvious. Uh, is that how you're reading it too? That that is that is what it says. So that's why when we see the the lines for the for those of you that are familiar with the TV broadcast, they show the these lines being drawn across the field that are you know centimeters accurate, I believe, to to see is the you know, the, the left whisker, cheek whisker of, of our player offside or, you know, is, is the knee bent a little too far? It just very, very precise. So though that offside does not abide by the clear and obvious error. So I, something that would, I believe, improve the VAR rule would be to say either clear and obvious or to say if it impacts play. And I think those two words are key. If you look at the Declan Rice offside that we had uh, called against us, where the ref actually on the field called it a goal, everyone else in the world called it a goal, except the VAR who said that he had a handball, even though it didn't affect play at all, whatever. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think that, I think it's because it was, where do you, all it says is goals and not, it doesn't say how far before a goal. So really that's, that leaves up so much interpretation of what, I mean, soccer is fluid. Everything leads, like everything builds up to a goal. There, there's no, right. you can't, what, where, how where far, can, how far do you back the lineup? Do and you then change start. of possession? Do exactly. you go, you know, last time since there was a dead ball, it, it's really a difficult. It is. And if we take a look at the one that we just had in this Chelsea game here, so Suchek got his first goal for Chelsea. uh, I mean, sorry, uh, for West Ham against Chelsea. Then everyone was celebrating. Only the goalie was the one that was calling for offside, offside, offside. And even the defender that was involved in the play for Chelsea was not calling anything. He, you know, was kind of down on his luck and, and just poor defending, but he thought it was a goal. At the ref thought it was a goal. Everyone thought it was a goal. Um, I think that's a really important point. Then we had a look at the VAR. And what was interesting is I saw maybe Antonio, uh, from from the view that I saw, impacted the play on the first go that Suchek had because it somehow bounced 
it, like Suchik had it at his feet, then it bounced off somewhere, and then it came back to his feet. I don't know, but it looked like it maybe had bounced off Antonio or something. Initially, that's what I was thinking. Upon further review, though, it looks to me, and Chris, you can tell me if you saw something different, but it looks like Suchek kicked the ball. It did not uh, hit Antonio at all and went in the goal. Uh, and and then the goalie, you know, obviously was pleading for offside. They took a look at the VAR and the final decision. This is from the Chelsea, uh, actually the Chelsea website, um, says that Antonio impeded the play and it impeded the view, sorry, um, from of the goalkeeper. So, yeah, let's let's talk about kind that? of what what they were really checking. So, as far as I could see, they were checking for three different different incidents that could have could have ruled out the goal. The first was if Antonio was in an offside position and and the ball hit him. The second was if Suchek was in an offside position and was obviously the one that scored. Or if the third one, which was eventually what they ruled it out for, was Antonio was in an offside position and impeded the play. Now, getting back to – so when we, when we look at the, the Premier League's rules, so clear and obvious errors, but offside is not subject to that. So no one is questioning whether Antonio's position was offside. He right. was. It was clear. He was offside. Suchek was onside. But within that, they looked at, did he touch the ball? Well, he didn't touch the ball from what I was able to see. There wasn't a right. clear touching of the ball. Right. Suchek lifted it over him into the goal. Now, the last one is, did he impede the play? And so now we're, now we're really out of it, – it, this is more in the clear and obvious error territory because we've the, the offside portion of it's been established. Now, did the, did the ref make a clear and obvious error – by saying he wasn't in the play at first. Well, I don't know. It it really this this is a tight one. I think this is one that I'm furious was ruled out because I'm a West Ham fan. But I also think if I would have been on the if I if they'd been on the other side of the field and it was a Chelsea player lying on the ground, I would have said, Oh, he he of course, you know, blocked Fabianski's view of the ball. So that's where I really, I, I, I well, really so have to say it's a tough let me, decision. Let me interject here because I, there was a goal scored in the Tottenham game, and I forget his, the midfielder's name off the top of my head. Um, Son, I think, sold something, but he, uh, he scored, and then they ruled it offsides, and it was because of the tiniest of hand over, you know, over the offside line, and that's why it was ruled out. And as a West Ham fan, I actually do believe that that goal should have counted because I know where. Tottenham fans, even though we just like Tottenham fans, when it comes down to it, I know that that hand did, had nothing to do with the goal scored. It did not, it, it didn't change anything. So now taking that viewpoint going into Chelsea, yeah. I, you can cheer for your team. And, and as it, say I was a Chelsea fan, you can look and say, hey, you know, absolutely impeded. But I, in my opinion, when you get down to it, even a Chelsea fan has to say there's just no way because, and, and let me well, read the language. It says yeah. Antonio impeded the view. It doesn't say he impeded the play. It says he impeded the view of Kempa or I'm sorry, Kepa, which is their goalkeeper. So um, again, I don't think, especially because he was standing up looking down at the ball. Antonio was laying on the floor. Impeding the view is a tough one. Plus Suchek lifted the ball up over Antonio. So again, tough to yeah. impede the view when the ball's going over. 
and and one more uh, point on that too is uh, the keeper was calling for offside so the keeper was not calling for his view impeded he was calling for offsides because he and, thought it might have hit antonio or something because he thought it might have hit antonio the fact was it didn't hit antonio so how does this goal I, not count I, it's really it it is really interesting i i think i when i say i would be mad of either side i would have been mad if this goal was scored against west ham but i do agree with you if if i'm thinking of a situation if antonio had been not there mm-hmm. the goal the ball would have still gone in Suchek right. would have still put that in. Right. Kepa, he was too far away for Kepa to go to like jump up and grab it. He was far enough away that I believe Kepa should have been able to at least see the ball. And yes, I, I agree. It's my biggest it's I can't be mad at that referee. I just gotta be mad at the Premier League here. Cause for to me, yes. this, their rules are leave so much ambiguity ambiguity that you you can have 20 different referees and you're going to get every different outcome five times over you know you're going to have several times the goal be allowed several times the goal be disallowed and then several times it's it just doesn't make sense because the offside portion yes that's that quote factual so yes antonio was offsides but as the ball was he was he blocking the keeper is not offsides or not it's not his positioning no that's completely right and another point which we've made before on podcast on uh, previous podcast episodes is for the next five goals that were scored five goals in this game and it's not just this game it's every single game every every time whether Chelsea scored or whether West Ham scored I had to sit there and instead of cheer the goal and start yelling and screaming it was well is VAR going to pull this one back? You know, darn, Chelsea just scored against us. Well, we still got a good chance with VAR because even though it was a completely clear and obvious goal, maybe VAR will pull the pull it back, So you know, 30 minutes before that goal happened and say there was a handball and that'll call it off. I mean, it's taken the cheer out of the – it's yeah. taken the excitement out of scoring goals. I, I will say that for for most of the goals, I, I was like, okay, that's a goal – for that last goal that that Yarmolenko put in, I was worried that the first pass to him might have been offside, and I I screamed and cheered, and then I was like, "Wait a second, let's just like calm down." So yeah, it does take out a lot of the feel of it. But one thing, I wouldn't be as mad at mad at it if I knew as a viewer how the rules were going to be applied, so that. Yeah, I might wait five seconds, but as soon as I see that video replay, I know okay, it's a goal, or okay, it's not. It's but in the in the instances we have now, I can I can watch the replay twenty times, and I still don't know what they're going to call. Exactly, and let me make another point too. The NFL here in America, the the football league, um, is very good about you know hey they score a touchdown the fans can still cheer and very 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 rarely is it ever taken back and it's also an extremely quick check so here this one took three minutes and 14 seconds if it's three minutes and 14 seconds i mean i i'd probably put a maximum of one minute on the thing and if you can't make a decision in one minute then be like okay you know what i'm gonna trust the refs uh, call on the field because three minutes and 14 seconds to look at the, you know, is a finger over the line or, or, I mean, it's ridiculous. And even if, even if it does take slightly longer, it's mostly because they're checking alternate angles, but 
the crowd, the crowd knows what the call is going to be before right. the refs announce it because they've seen the video. They go, okay, that's going to stand or okay, that's going to take, take, be taken back. But here we just don't have it. it it's just not a whole lot. So, yeah, I, I, I really hope that the Premier League gives a little further clarification to the rules, both to the fans and to the refs, because they need to, there needs to be more consistency applied with this. Uh, one more quick counter argument, though. Uh, I, I do think VAR is a good thing. It's the way of the future. I don't believe you're ever going to convince uh, the Premier League or really, you know, Bundesliga or whoever else in, uh, brings in VAR that VAR needs to go and never come back. But I think here we're seeing that it's the first year of VAR. I think we're saying that the rules have got to be redefined and cleared up. Uh, because just like you were saying, you don't know as a fan or even as the ref, you know, it's open to interpretation and they just need to shore up those rules. I'm, I'm not, I'm mad at VAR because we're, I think the number one team where it's impacted our points in our standing in the table. However, besides that, um, I know VAR is the way of the future. I think it's good technology that makes the game more fair. However, it's got to, uh, you've got to refine the rules. Yeah. And like the instance, they have to refine the rules, not only for, these instances but also to allow it to be used in instances like the Sheffield Villa game which it was a clear goal by Sheffield that was that was in where the goal line technology didn't work and if just allowing some like yeah just refining the rules can prevent issues like that while also making issues like we had today uh less persistent so uh, that's enough about VAR. Let's move on to the match report. So we won 3-2. It was a very up and down game. What, so, what were your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, so this is, uh, this is good because in Tottenham, they scored against us first and we saw a, a massive drop uh, from our team in terms of the mentality, the you know, fortitude of the team, our play, our passing, everything. Defending offensively, we went down the drain. Uh, and that stayed that way for the rest of the game. However, in Chelsea, I, I saw a different team. And the reason I saw a different team was because of that mental fortitude. When they scored, first of all, we scored first. Great, great lifter. However, we're also, I believe, the number one, possibly number two team in the league that after scoring first has not gotten points from that game. Yeah. Um, and so here's here's what I saw with the Chelsea game, though. We scored first and we kept up that, you know, that, uh, that fight. We kept up kept under control we kept the pace we wanted to keep obviously there were some times in the game where it could have gone better we messed up some stuff we'll talk about that but I saw that the team wanted to fight for this game and we didn't want to fight against Tottenham yeah see I I agree with you I think the team we saw in this game was completely different but I don't think our team showed up until about the 30th or 35th minute I thought the first 30 minutes I was like Oh, here we go again. We're just sitting back, giving up so much possession. Antonio's up up by himself. We're gonna hit. We're gonna hit a ball up to him, and there's not gonna be another West Ham player within 20 yards of him. And for the first 30 minutes, that kind of was the story. But that's then exactly. It, yep. It, it, shif- it shifted somehow. We started to see more more movement offensively. We started to see more players going up in support, not just standing around. Let me let me buy a couple seconds so I can get a cleared long ball up the field. But actually, let's move the ball some. And the defending was was better too. I, I thought we we still defended too narrow, 
but the midfielders were were clear on what their roles were and for the most part the defenders did a good job with dealing with it and it's interesting you mentioned defense i i was actually debating and this i know i'm going out on a limb here but i was debating giving man the match to fredericks because i thought he played an incredible game i thought he defended really well you're right a few times he got caught inside and he needed to be more outside um i i ended up going i i think my my man's gonna be suchek um but I would like to comment comment on Federicks, and I, I thought he had a really good defensive performance. Uh, obviously, much better than Ngaki. Uh, uh, that last game we saw him. Fortunately, I don't think he's on the team anymore. But. Yeah, he he left. But yeah, Fredericks, I think did a good job. But let's. You mentioned one thing I'd like to touch on. So you said yeah, he was cut out of position, and both you and I mentioned that they're narrow. Mm-hmm. I I really don't think that's a Fredericks fault because I think Cresswell was narrow too. I think it's, and and I wanna I wanna tell you bring up a hot opinion after a 3-2 win. This game showed me we got to get rid of Moyes. We yep. got to get rid of Moyes. So what and why I say that? We had but mentioned before this game we'd gone five and a half hours of open play without scoring. We hadn't scored in 120 days. We hadn't we hadn't kept a clean sheet in the Premier League for 12 consecutive games and we still didn't. It's this is the third or fourth game in a row he's trotted out this uh, 4-5-1 with Antonio completely isolated up top. And until we, until he finally – or we saw something different out of the players today, we had – there were no real chances. We scored the first – the goal that was disallowed and the goal that we actually scored at first were both off of corners. They weren't from our formation. It, it, it really – I'm disappointed that he is not making changes, that he doesn't seem to be drilling anything to, into these players. The the defenders, they're they're drilled to be narrow, but they're not really defending as a unit. The midfielders don't really always know what they're doing. They're they're doing it a little better, but after months months in charge, even before the break, he still had a long time in charge. I'm not seeing the offensive or defensive solidity that I'd expect to see from a Premier League managed team. So you mentioned that four or five one. We switch formations faster than a car switches lanes. I mean, it's one game we're at four four two, one game we're at four five two. And fine, if you want to try different formations, something's not working. But you're, in my opinion, you're not giving the players enough time to fit to fit into a formation. And that's one problem we've had with Hilaire is you put Hilaire up there and he's not getting the service, but Part of that is a formation problem because either he's isolated up there, so he needs another yeah. striker, or you've got to have midfielders who know, okay, I'm this game, I'm not going to run up and down the wings. I'm going to play a little bit more central. Or this game, oh, yeah, he wants me to run up and down the wings. But when you switch the formation every two games, it, you're not having the players, uh, not giving them a chance to settle in. Yeah, they, don't, they won't know the role. And, and just like you said, with the Hilaire, most of it was a lot of the same story as we had with Antonio for the first 30 minutes today. They, we'd kick it, we'll kick a ball up to whoever's our main striker. And no one will be within 20, 25 yards of them. So if they win the header, if they maybe get down the flank a little bit, they're still stuck up by themselves with three defenders around them. And they're not going to be able to do anything with it. And I, I mean, it's, we need to see a more stylized style, a stylized offense that, that has ball movement, that, that's more modern, that, that feature that creates chances, not just let's hoof the long, let, you know, let's kick a long ball up to a lone striker. Hopefully he's fast enough and strong enough to win the ball 
and maybe we get a set piece and try and score off a set piece. And Chris, I want to ask you a question, and I, I really don't think you or Moyes or anyone has the answer to this. Why did we play uh, against Wolves? We didn't play Balbuena, and that was apparently because Balbuena and the manager didn't get along. Then in Tottenham, we played Balbuena, and he did okay. I mean, obviously, there were some things he could have done better, but at least, you know, hey, he got out on the field, he played. And then we subbed him in here. So if it's a if it was a manager problem, why didn't we play him with Wolves when we had Ogbana that was, you know, I mean, or, um, when he was hurt or whatever. Yeah. Oh, then, um, But instead we moved Declan back to center defender out of position instead of putting Balbuena in there when he was healthy. And yet now we've played him for a few games. So is the manager either not getting along with players or what what's happening there? And I, I really don't know if you have the answer. It's yeah, it's It strikes me as odd because there are... There are basic, basic things that I think. Now, Declan, we can debate whether he's, quote, in, out of position or not at center back. He can adequately play center back. He, he can. Definitely. But what he offers us in midfield is something we cannot replace. Right. Something Noble cannot replicate. Whereas him in defensive, him in a center back, is something that we can see someone like Balbuena replace, at least adequately enough. Uh, I don't understand what Moyes is doing in his team selection, in his style, I guess. Because we didn't what what we came out with today was the exact same thing we came out with against Spurs. Yep. It was four five one, Antonio alone up top, a four back that with with essentially the same players and given the same instruction to stay extremely narrow. And the only I believe the only sub was Lanzini in for Anderson, which is and, I was, I was supportive well. of that sub, but not just in the same bland formation that generated nothing for the past several games. Uh, yeah, so to, to boil that down, yeah, I don't have an answer of why Moyes makes those decisions. That's part of the reason they – I am I am definitely, even if we stay up this game or this season, I do not want Moyes managing the club next year. Here's another interesting thing. If you look at the subs here, so we have uh, Silva, who we've gotten – heard reports uh, that he's been doing well in training. Fine to have him on the bench. Great. A Yeti, a Jetty, however you say it. Um, he, again, he's on the bench every week. Never ever plays. Uh, if if he's gonna play, put him in the game sometime. If he's not gonna play, don't have him on the bench. Then you've got Wilshire, who actually, I this is the first time I'd ever had Wilshire. I, you know, like I've said before, I've been a fan this season. Really, um, really followed the club, and so I haven't had that pain as much with Wilshire. Uh, to me, he was just a hurt player on the bench, but. I thought he he played it. He came out and played okay. Um, then you had Balbuena, Johnson. Uh, I mean, and Lewis too. I, yeah. So, so John Johnson, a fullback youth uh, of the youth team, and and Lewis. I I do not recall if he's a def, if he's a defender or a midfielder, but he's also a, a youth player that I don't think's featured for us yet. So no, yeah, it's fairly fairly bare bare bench, but as as far as the back end, but yeah, it doesn't make. I I thought one thing you said was really key is. If we're not going to play a, a Jetty or a Yeti, uh, why why have him on the bench? Why does he he shows up on the now? Now I I want to give him a chance, but Moyes doesn't seem to. But is why does Moyes put him there if he's not going to play him ever? 
And yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I now he's he subbed in Yarmolenko, uh, which we can I think was the right player to bring on, but the wrong player to bring off in Bowen. Uh but the his sub choices today were okay. They worked out well, but his his just starting lineup positions doesn't doesn't make sense to me. His his team selection and Anderson or Anderson just wasn't. Was he on the bench today? He was on the bench, but he, on uh, the bench. Okay. I, he does not need to be playing. I don't think he he, <laughs> he definitely needs to. He needs to show something in training to force himself back into the team, but he is not on during the game. He has not done the on, on pitch performance that, that deserves him a spot. So let's, you want to walk through the lineup real quick to say who, who we thought played well, who we maybe thought could have done better. Yeah. So I'll just go through it. So we've got uh, Fabianski thought he had a good game, saved us some goals, uh, made some smart decisions. Nothing, nothing really on him for me. Yeah. He, he could have, you could say he was at fault for the second goal, but man, that was a bullet that curled, hit the post. He and he, even he was only a couple inches off, even though he kind of leaned the wrong way. I don't. I think fifteen out of the twenty Premier League starting goalkeepers have no chance to save in that. And it was overall, I thought he played a decent game. Oh, I thought so too. And that second goal, you know, I know a lot of the commentators kept saying, "Hey, uh, if he hadn't taken that half step, then they stepped half step, half step, half step." Look, half step the freaking ball hit the post. Like what can you yeah. do as a goalkeeper? Yeah. He dived the right way. He was a, maybe the half step ended up making a difference. I don't know. But the fact that that ball hit the post, it, I, I can't fault him really for that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a saying in, in American or in basketball that uh, good offense, great offense beats great defense every time. And I think that was an example of it. That shot was just so on point. You, it didn't really matter how well you could defend it. It, it was just, it was, it was pretty a much goal. a, a, a pure goal. Because and Fabianski really did have to lean to the other side because that is the larger threat. It is over is the little over that wall. So I, I didn't wouldn't fault him for that. Next up so, would be uh, yeah, we've got Fred Cresswell. And, and oh, Cresswell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would give Cresswell, I actually didn't think played as well as Fredericks. I, Fredericks, I would probably give an 8 out of 10 uh, performance today. Give The only reason I took two points away from him from being a perfect game is because he was, uh, like we mentioned, a little bit narrow there. We seem to leave those wingers with a lot of space. And then every single time the team, the uh, opposing team says, oh, look, there's a ton of space on that wing. Let's switch the field and get it to that winger. And then we have to rush out and try to defend it. I don't know that. I think that's a moist problem. Like we mentioned before, I don't think that's necessarily a Yeah, problem. they're definitely instructed to stay tight, which there are some advantages too, but you really got to, you really got to make sure the, the wingers come back and, and cover that wide area or else it just you're going to get crossed on all day, which is we were fortunate. There were several balls that went untouched through the box. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd probably give him not maybe not as high as you, but I thought he did fine today. I thought his his pace, playing that narrow formation, his pace is key to recover, to go back to go back outside. And he did, he did not do anything great attacking, but he made several clearances, and I was fine with him. Uh, next across the line, Diop, man, that was not his best game. I, I don't. I don't think it was his best game. I think we should be playing Ogbonna and Valbuena. Uh, Diop, in my opinion, has made so many mistakes these past three games. Maybe he needs a game off. Maybe he needs a game to kind of say, hey, uh, 
he needs to fight for a spot or something, but he's making a ton of defensive mistakes. I get he's young. I get he's, you know, uh, quote unquote, the next generation to come up and replace Ogbonna. But um, what do you have for me, Chris? Yeah, it was not, it was not his best game. I don't know if I'd go so far to say as I'd play Balbuena over him. I, I think they're at this point fairly comparable. Diop is is a higher volatility player. He can he can give you those nine out of ten days where he's just the, he's just on fire, but then he can also give you a, a you know a three out of ten performance, which is not quite what he did today. But giving away that penalty was very costly, and he. He he's great at recovering, getting clearances, intercepting the ball, but he he just gets drawn out of his position too much, and he really needs without a strong player like Ogbonna next to him, corralling him and, and telling him where to be, it could be bad. But ne- next up, Ogbonna. I thought he played. I thought Ogbonna played very well today. I thought he had to deal with a lot of those low crosses into the box and. I thought he did a good job. There wasn't any clear mistakes I I, I saw him make. He, he really was fairly solid. I definitely think his impact on the field from him being injured in, in the past few weeks to now was massive for us. And I think that was a large reason we won. With him being injured, I would argue we would not have won that game. Yeah. So that's the – and then Cresswell. I, I was actually – thought this was one of Cresswell's worst games. I didn't think he was – he was just – bang average defensively if if even that but then i thought he offered nothing going forward today which is strange he usually has a, a little better cross than what he did but he just he didn't get up much even he just kind of stood back maybe that was game plan but it was just average it, these past I three games i wouldn't just say it was this game i'd say these past three games since the restart yeah, I he hasn't, he hasn't been fantastic i thought this was his worst out of the three but I don't know if I don't really know if I put Masuaku in there or not. I, I I'm wouldn't. still hesitant to take him out, but Cresswell can obviously can can do better. And I know coming back in from the restart, Masuaku was hurt. So uh, I I still even with a healthy Masuaku from from the get go from the restart, uh, Cresswell I do believe is the better player, but he's got to step up. And if he doesn't step up in the next five or six games that we have left, then I think we need to start looking for a left back because. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll see. We'll, we've got plenty of play to go for that. Uh, what do you think of? So let's let's move on to the the midfield here. I thought Rice played a great game. Always does. Oh, always a solid player. Perfect. I thought or not. Well, I thought he was really good. I thought he he does so much to cover for the back line. In not not that they're clear obvious mistakes they make, but just just sweeping up anything that gets by them. He does such a good job tracking back, realizing. He's one of probably the best midfielder I've seen at West Ham as tracking back with runners where where runners are are cutting along the little gaps between our back line. He knows exactly when he needs to run with them. And his pass, his distributing today was great. I thought he, he's really developing more from the box to box role that we really hadn't seen until Today, I just want to quote one stat today. So he, this is from uh, whoscored.com. He was the second leading passer today with 31 total passes. Only four nows had more with 33. But he led all of our players with a 90% accuracy, pass accuracy. Which for when our when our team pass rate was 72% today, him, him having 90 is, is quite impressive. I, I think he is 
he's always been the defensive cornerstone of our team, but now I think he's really controlling the middle third so much better. I do too. And with Suchek there, it literally is the perfect combo. And if we could just find that last uh, third midfielder, I think for now, uh, I didn't really like what he did today. We can get to that in a second, but the rice Suchek combo definitely fits like two peas in a pod. And if we just, we just need that third B to fit. And uh, yeah. I think that midfield is going to be a incredibly solid midfield, especially yeah, with so Suchek having that defensive mid, you know, experience. Uh, he knows what Declan's going through and then he can support the attack too. So. Yeah, talking about Suchek, I mean, what what could have been two goals today if the first one hadn't been ruled out, but man, he is he affects, similar to Rice, affects so many different uh, facets of the game. Much I think much more offensively than Rice does right now, but man, he he's an engine. I I really hope he stays with I hope we get him on a permanent after this season. I know I don't know how I don't know if it's a we do have an option to buy or not. And I know if we don't stay up, that definitely probably won't happen, but I think he will be a key player going, going forward. I do too. And I do think that's a manager type thing where you said uh, he provides a little bit more on the offense than, um, than rice. And I'm not upset with that. You know, they're working together really well. Rice still gets up there and does, and kind of covers, covers defensively and you know and and then when I look at the offense and I say okay who's a player that kind of comes up from the back that kind of helps to cover when the office makes it it's Suchek so that's perfect um so let's go to 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 me Suchek was the man of the match I think uh, Rice is has such a high standard these days that it's really tough for me to say oh this was a great game because all his games are either good or great um so to me Suchek really had a really good game today so I'm going to give him man of the match for me just uh because we're talking about him um going out a little bit to the wings and kind of middle there. So we've got uh, for nows for for nows. I have not seen the fire that he had before the restart. I still support him. Still, I think he's a young player that is going to develop and be good. However, um, have not, he, he, I guess he had one shot on goal. Um, these f- decent shot on goal, I should say these past three games, but I haven't seen a bunch from him. What, what do you think on that? Yeah, before. So be- the restart, so far has been pretty bad for him. I think before this game, he really hasn't done a good job. And I thought for the first half, he really was unimpressive. I thought he was fairly absent. He's, he's asked to do a more defending on this for in the, this style that we've been playing, which is not really suiting him. Well, he's, he, I think he tries, but he's just not, he doesn't have the pace to really cover that wing defensively. So overall, a, a pretty bad game. But then I was watching some of the replays again, and and I, the last goal, we, we we you'll 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 remember how great Antonio was to hold up the ball, and and how great Yarmolenko was to to get open and and take on his man one on one and get the goal. But if you really watch that last goal, it couldn't have happened without four nows. So Rice boots the ball up from a basically Rice clears it. Antonio gets it, hits it back to to Fornals, who immediately realizes Antonio's defender's coming after me. Let me do a one-touch pass back to Antonio, which is really what allowed Antonio to turn and, and pass it through to, to Yarmolenko. So not taking away from anything Yarmolenko or An- Antonio did. I thought they were the main reasons we had that goal. But that really, to me, was showed me again. Fornals might be unimpressive physically he might not be the best defender but if you look at look at him he always gets involved in goals 
he always seems to get involved in some sort of goals. And so, yeah, it wasn't his best game. He hasn't had the best restart. But if we're comparing him against, I'd say the closest people to him and our team positionally are Lanzini and Anderson, Fornals is ahead of them by far for me. Right. So, yeah, he could have done better, but I still think he finds – he finds the little ways to contribute to goals, whether it's directly through an assist or like we saw today, just being instrumental in the link up play to get that assist that I'd still start him. To me, you've got Rice and you've got Suchek who need to be playing all 90 minutes, all stoppage time, every minute of the game that you're on the field. For now, is one of those where I kind of consider, okay, maybe we could sub him and to make him that solid third midfielder that would really make that midfield a great midfield I think he's got to promote himself a little bit at least in my view to you know hey he is unsubbable Um, and right now he's not that for me I definitely believe he could develop into that I think he's on the right track but I just need to see a little bit more fire from him Um, one person we have seen a lot of fire from is Bowen tell me about him oh huge today it he if one one reason I don't get why we play the formation we play is because the long the long ball style is that it really takes pace to play that counterattacking long ball style. You need the pace to to take advantage of the of the opposing team when they commit too many people forward. But if you think of if you think of out of our starting eleven, who has even average pace for their position or better decent pace for their position, I'd say it's Antonio, Fredericks, and Bowen. That's it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify anyone else as having good pace. They, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't call Suchek or Rice slow by their means, but they're not burners. They're, you know, most of our team is not really fast. But Bowen's pace today was great. His his tenacity really surprises me. He is someone like you. You mentioned uh, players like like Suchek and Rice that are quote unsubbable. I think he's kind of that. I know he was taken out for Yarmolenko and Yarmolenko scored the goal, but Bowen had two assists today. Bowen had the the assist through to, to uh, Antonio on the cross, and he was also taking the corner that Suchek scored. He, what he provides as far as an outlet on the flank and as the potential to cut in to score goals and the effort he puts on defense really makes him a – he needs to be playing 90 minutes a game, no question. So here's what's funny, though. You mentioned, hey, the effort he's putting in. When he gets the ball, you trust him, and he's not going to lose it. He barely, you know, I would mention barely loses the ball. Uh, and when he does, he's got like six players around him and no outlet, and he holds onto it for five minutes well, until he And he, he comes it. back if he loses and it. He come, and he works hard, to, but regardless. So we've got that you know, mental fortitude, too. He's, he's been scoring goals. He's been supporting the attack. And yet Moyes comes in and subs him out, which, hey, Yarmolenko ended up scoring that final goal. I think it was the right move to bring Yarmolenko on, just like you mentioned before. But was Bowen the right one to take off? He was taken off no. in the game before too. And I, I would have to taken me, Lanzini. Oh, oh, absolutely. And to me, Bowen has proved that he is unsubbable. He is. He has raised himself to that level, just like Suchek has, just like Rice has. Out out of our entire team, I would say those three are the ones that are absolutely one hundred percent unsubbable. And yet we keep bringing Bowen out, which. You know, I and, would disagree. And he's he's only been, he's been with our team for what six, seven matches, maybe. Yeah, since he's February. still learning the team, learning how to play with those around him, and, and he's still having 
what I would consider a pretty good impact. Obviously, I don't think he's he's quite at the Rice or Suchek level of impact, but he's doing so good. And I there's not a game situation where I think, oh, we need to move. He needs to be the person we take out. Right. Um, and then let's let's talk about the last kind of attacking midfielder, Lanzini. I thought not good, not good today. He not good ever. First half, not yeah. He better better than Anderson, maybe, yes. but. Not this is much. this is one where I would maybe put in a Wilshire. I don't know what Wilshire has to offer. I don't know. I just saw him for about you know what freaking yeah. ten or fifteen minutes. But I would say take take Lanzini out. Let's see either what Wilshire has to offer. Let's see what Silva Silva has to offer. Yarmolenko, you know, maybe uh, shift Bowen over a little bit and put Yarmolenko where he's he's got that left side. I don't know, but I I think you've got to have that for now's uh, Suchek middle and then Bowen has got to be playing too so the only other one that you can take out is Lanzini and Lanzini in my opinion maybe maybe a sub but yeah. definitely not a starter I'd say out of the 11 today he's the first I take out hopefully if if Hilaire is back I'd just put him up top and essentially switch formations a little bit but even if we want to keep the same formation I think you you are spot on putting a Yarmolenko in and shifting Bowen in or, or maybe a, a Wilshire or even a noble, but let's let's you mentioned Wilshire. Let's talk about Wilshire. He had a pretty good impact today coming on for the last about twenty-five minutes or so. He did. And and that was one important point I was trying to make earlier is I'm a relatively new fan, so I don't have that um built up, you know, oh Wilshire's a kind of a waste of space and stuff. Well, you could you could have been a fan for two years and and you still wouldn't have seen him play basically. And and that could be, yeah, exactly. And so it's just interesting that I'm really interested to see what your view on him and on this game was, because to me right now, I said, Hey, he got, he was injured, but he came back. He had a decent impact. Let's keep playing him at least put him on the bench and he can be that, that attacking sub we need to make if we're down, you know, one zero and we've got 10 minutes left or something. Uh, he, considering he's been out that long and that he actually made a debut or to be quote unquote, um, against Chelsea and actually had a pretty positive impact. I, to me, that's a good restart for him, especially being out that long. Yeah. Not, not sure quite. I, I, I would give him the start depending on his match fitness. I, I don't know. That might've been one of the reasons he's been on the bench is just having come back from a relatively long injury and not, not being quite fit yet, but he definitely needs to be one of the first subs off the bench if he if he doesn't start because I thought he he played well when he plays he typically does pretty good job I think he if we're looking for a midfield three he could be the perfect complement to Suchek and, and Rice he really has creativity in the in the final third but is also you know decent box to box and I thought one of the things that really impressed me today was when he subbed on is he was probably the most aggressive player when chasing down on the press, when we were pressing the opponent, the opponent team, he would be the one really doing the most of the legwork. And and, and that, that impressed me. I, I like to see that effort. And hopefully now given he was only on the field for 20, 30 minutes, can he do that in ni- a full 90? I don't know, but I, I'd like to give him an, a, another other chance and then and i'm happy with if he's just a sub we've got a, a decent you know maybe replace lanzini but we've got a decent amount of, of uh quality starters and especially if hilaire comes back use wilshire as a sub i'm not upset with that you know that that's a good that's a good thing for him i think and and especially with these last five or six games 
use him as a sub. Let's prove him. And then, hey, if he wants to, you know, work him up to a starter next season. Yeah. And then the last starter, Antonio. See, so you get you gave Suchek your man of the match, and I thought Suchek did fantastic. I probably today would give Antonio my man of the match. Just I think it's unfair what we ask him to do. What what Moyes asked him to do, but he but he does it. He he tries. He he never complains. He tries his hardest, and he's somehow tries. He somehow can make it work like he did today. And yeah, you know, I think it's unfair to him. I really want to see him and him and Hilaire up top together. I think that would unlock both of their strengths if if we really gave them time to work together. And but man, he his effort. Scoring, scoring the goal. One thing that was so great to me, he he definitely got fouled. That should have been a penalty right before the second goal, where he got yanked down from behind oh, at the top absolutely, of the box. Absolutely, absolutely. But and he like threw his hands up, like I mean, like of course. But he immediately got back up, didn't let it deter him. Got in the box and got on the end of of Bowen's cross to to get it, to get that second goal, and that was just. Perfect encapsulation key. of what Antonio does. It was key. You never keep him down. You can literally throw him to the ground. He'll get right back up, and he'll still continue to play. He'll track back on defense. He'll he the number of runs he makes. I don't even want to know how many sprints he had. It, it was he was working his tail off trying to chase down long balls, but he did a great job. And and really, um, not always the most technically sound as far as long shots or crosses, but but does I think pretty good link up play when we have people around him and really that will that he was the reason he was one of the big reasons for the third goal and his his awareness to, to tap the, tap it back to four nows and then once he got it back to turn around and find the open man and just a perfect pass to Yarmolenko. He he is a if he's fit, he starts for me. Oh, definitely. I would agree that he uh, definitely starts and I would even put him to the unsubbable. It definitely depends on how his fitness is towards the end of the game. I know he's had some hamstring issues. Uh, he's also had, sometimes we've subbed him off in say the 80th minute or something if we want to bring out. So, okay, maybe fine. I, I don't want to put him in that unsubbable category, but he's pretty darn close to that because he impacts the field and impacts the game when he is on the field um one thing i do want to see him improve on though is and i he had it um just this just uh in against tottenham where he opened net pretty much except for the keeper and and kind of whiffed the ball away and he's done he did that he had a similar chance in in um in the chelsea game as well if he's connecting on those, he's going to, his scoring numbers are going to go way up, but instead he sometimes hits the ball extremely powerfully, but it's like, well, well, you got to get it on target. A target's more important than powerful. Um, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, part of that, I, I'd chalk up part of that is he's really not a striker. He, he's really not, he's played wing pretty much all of his career until he came to West Ham and still mostly played kind of the wing. He even asked him to play fullback at some, but, he can be a good striker, but yeah, he's not. He's no poacher. He's no clinical finisher. But I think that's all. That's all the reason it's more important. He's not the only one that's asked to be in the box. You yeah. need to have other people around him. His his best his best traits are his effort, his physicality, and just his unstoppable engine. That that really just. Not only it's it's direct impact, but also just the emotional impact that someone like him can bring to a team. 
So yeah, no, I think so. And another interesting thing with that emotional impact is the subs. So the subs can really change the way can it can kind of basically change, turn the game around for you. And that's one thing I don't necessarily see um, from Moise. I thought these subs that came on were the first decent subs that I've seen in the restart. Um, we had Yarmolenko come on, obviously scored the goal. And to me, that proves that Yarmolenko needs a little bit more time. Valbuena, I was happy that he came on, play a little bit more defensively when we have the lead uh, or, you know, towards the end of the game there. Um, but, but having Anderson on the bench doesn't, doesn't help. He, him bringing him on the field does not help change the game. Um, bringing Babuena on as a defensive sub, fine. Not really meant to change the game, just kind of hold. Bringing Yarmolenko on, yeah, he's a veteran player. Maybe that helps. You need someone like a Rice. I, I mean, you may not get as good as Rice, but someone that's going to come on and immediately the spirits of the team are lifted. What are your thoughts on that? I, I definitely agree. I thought this this game, this was the first time Moyes seemed to sub someone on rather than sub someone off. In the past several games, when he was making substitutions, it was really more of get just let's just get that guy off the field, let's get Anderson off the field. He's not doing well. Let's get Lanzini off the field. Let's get Fournette. Whatever. This was the actual only time I really thought he was making subs to add something to the team, and I think that's what the big difference was. He was he wanted a fresh midfield. He Lanzini wasn't doing great, but he, he's like. All right, Wilshire, prove prove you can do something for this team. Yarmolenko, that like I disagree with him taking Bowen off for that for Yarmolenko, but I thought Yarmolenko was was a clear message of I'm putting on a guy who can score a goal because we want to win this game. Right. Even Balbuena, he was putting him on for a purpose. It was right. we we want to protect this lead. I'm putting him on for a purpose, and it's. That was a key, and yeah, I the only player I think we have on the bench that that I would be in. Noble is a leader, but I I don't even know if putting him on, if subbing him in is an inspiring move. He can be an inspiring person, an inspiring leader. Right. But his him being subbed on is not an, an and inspiring re- action. Regardless, he wasn't even on the bench. So, yeah, I think he he had a, a, a hamstring or a slight nagging injury. So, but yeah, there, we definitely we definitely do lack on on sometimes being intentional with our subs to to change and impact the game. One more comment, quick comment too, is we have five subs now because of the hot, the uh, heat of the summer though. And Moise is subbed two. And I think this was the first time he subbed three time, or three people on since the restart. Yeah. Uh, and the third was in the 92nd minute. So was I, it wasn't really, it was as much a time. It was to add an extra defender, but it was, it was as much a time wasting tactic as anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, so I definitely think he can take advantage, especially when there, there are people that can make an impact. So, you know, the, I would have liked to have seen him put on a Yeti when we were down to one, uh, but there, and there's definitely other things he could have done, but hopefully he can. I'm very happy with the way we played today, but overall, and it's done a great job for keeping our survival chances up, but I've still, this game has showed me when we win, we win in spite of Moyes, not just not really because of him. This game did show me though that if we play like that, we will crush the next few teams because we can beat a Chelsea. But but are we going to keep playing? That's the question. 
Yeah. Well, how about uh, next segment? You'll find out if we keep playing like that as we uh, preview the Newcastle game. Welcome back. In this section, we're going to talk about our upcoming game this Sunday against Newcastle. So just to recap, Newcastle won their last game against Bournemouth 4-1. Chris, are you, do you, are you confident in our chances to, put, to build on the Chelsea match and push forward to, get out of the, to stay out of the relegation zone? I am confident. Uh, this game is going to be a really defining one, in my opinion, and I believe in a lot of West Ham fans' opinions. Because if we come out, we just beat Chelsea, coming out into this game and either crush Newcastle, even just get a win by, say, one point, uh, then you know, for the rest of the season, first of all, I think that would really help secure our position from relegation. Uh, I also think that that would give our team a confidence booster and say, all right, we are a good team. Let's go finish the season strong. We've got some easy teams coming up towards the end. But if we lose this game, then, yeah, you come off a Chelsea win, but then you just lost to, you know, a middle-of-the-road team. They're thir- currently ranked 13th. Um, it, so it just doesn't really bode well for the rest of the season. It, then you kind of go back to that mindset of we're fighting relegation. We've got a, every every single game really matters. And it, every game does matter, but, uh, you know, this game could be the, the deciding factor. Yeah, I think this game has the potential if we push on – if we get a win – Points alone should see us just about to safety and not 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 even mentioning the momentum that'll give us to go beat some of these fairly weak teams that we're going to see for a couple of the games later on in the year that this is a this is a crucial junction we need to take advantage of the momentum we had against Chelsea and we need to push on get a good result against Newcastle and save our save our season save keep us up fight fight for the shirt and, and I, this is really uh this is a testing ground cuz yeah we can it doesn't take much to be motivated against the top team you're going to you know you're going to be motivated to play well against the top team but these teams that are kind of in the middle of the road you know it's going to take some it's going to take some internal motivation to 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 really be on our game and i think it's I think it's going to be a good test for us I do too. Uh, you can hold your prediction till later, but I'm going to give mine right now because it, I think it's going to set the stage for looking at Newcastle. So you've got that 4-1 win against uh, Bournemouth that they just had. We had a 3-2 victory against Chelsea. I, goals are, to me, goals are going to be scored in this game. And you're not going to have a 1-0, you know. Uh, I, I think you could have a 2-1 result. Um, ideally, it would go our way, but I also could very much see it going their way, unfortunately. Um, coming out of Chelsea on on this 3-2 victory, I'm going to say 2-1. Uh, 2-1 win for West Ham. I think West, Newcastle is vulnerable enough. I think the key to this game is going to be defense and stopping their type. Because if they score, well, I mean, first of all, we've got to keep our heads up. But historically, we have not kept our heads up. And to them, if I was saying for Newcastle with their key, it's score first because then West Ham goes down the drain. Yeah, I'd say I'll go ahead and give my prediction out too. I I honestly think there's going to be some goals. But I think it's probably going to be about a 2-2 draw. I, I think we have a good chance of winning, but I also can see us letting it slip away. And, and like you said, we, do, we don't do a great job of holding on to the lead. And we also don't do a great job of coming back from a deficit. Uh, but hopefully we can hopefully we can get a win. I think it's definitely possible. Um, but both 
they both them and us just came off a pretty good victory in our in our own right and uh i they do have some players that could that could damage us one one i want to mention is saint maxim new, their new player that they signed from from nice this past offseason he killed us in the first game we played he has i know i know my key player for west ham is often just pick the fastest guy on the opposing team but that's because that's what works against us. I mean, we had trouble dealing with Pulisic and Willian today, the two of Chelsea's fastest players. We got torched by Traore in the Wolves game. We got manhandled by Sone, who's one of the faster players on Tottenham. We have trouble with pace, and, and St. Maxim has a lot, a lot of pace, and and he's one of their better players with three goals and four assists so far this season. So he's he's one to be be careful of. Uh, here's an interesting thing in terms of stats. Their win ratio is 33%. They've won 13 games, lost 13 games, and drawn 13 games. So to me, that shows they're there for the taking. Uh, they've got an average 1.15 goals per game. So yeah, maybe they score first. But if I'm Moyes, I'm telling the team, hey, look, this team, yeah, they've got a decent offense. They might score first. First of all, we're going to do everything to prevent that. But also, even if they score first, we this is a beatable team. Do not let that get to your head. And to me, that's got to be the instruction that the manager has given to the team. Yeah, and we cannot go out and play the same way we played against Chelsea. We cannot. You have to adapt. Up. We have to adapt. We have to be more on the front foot. We had 29% against Chelsea, possession against Chelsea. Against a team like... Newcastle, that's unacceptable. Even even against Chelsea, that was, you know, we were giving up a lot of possession, a lot of, a lot of, they had chances. They just didn't make them. But we really need to be on the front foot, play a more attacking style of play. Hopefully we get Hilaire back. I believe he is on on track to be back. We can be, we can make a little more offensive lineup. And, and I really think this is going to be huge for our, for our, our ego, our momentum, our, to, to really go out and, and play to win, play to get a win, play to get further away from the relegation zone. But we have what it takes, but we just need to show it on the field. Uh, so you, you talked about your player you'd watch out. Uh, for me, it'd be Al Moran there. Um, he's actually interesting uh that he was in the MLS for a little bit. And it's funny because he did fairly well. He was at Atlanta for a while. Um, I remember his name being mentioned a few times uh, in the MLS, but then he's come on to Newcastle and uh, quickly rose to be one of their best scorers. So I'm worried that he's going to tear up our defense. And I think the way you prevent that is you have an Ogbonna um, instructing the Diop to uh, instructing Diop to, play solidly make sure he's always in position rice also has got to help out a little bit in covering almer on there um but if you play the same way we did with the wingers and and the defense where um you're you've got them in such a narrow formation that's something that we mentioned before Moyes has got to fix is yeah you may want them playing a little bit more narrow but right now they're extremely narrow and if you're newcastle looking at the video you're gonna say hey this is where they're weak this is where we're going to get West Ham is we're going to switch the field really quickly and we've got a ton of space. Yeah. It's, it could be really, if we give their wingers the room that we gave Chelsea, it's, it's not going to be good. They're going to get down the flank. They're going to get crosses in and 
we we won't be able to deal with the pure volume of crosses that they're able to send in if we if we play like that we're going to have to adapt a little bit change our kind of spread the spread our back line a little bit and it's just going to put this going to put more um more responsibility on the midfielders to, to really fill in those gaps so let's talk about what kind of team you'd you'd put on the field against them. Uh, we've got our you know pretty much solid defense there. I don't know if you'd make any huge changes. I wouldn't. Um, I'd still play the Agbana Diop. I'd definitely be ready for Balbuena just in case we need him. But right now, I, I think we can hold on to Agbana Diop. Um, but I mentioned earlier, I'm not happy with Diop's performance. So again, if he brought in Balbuena, I wouldn't be upset. But that's just me. Um, any any comments on the defense there, Chris? Oh, I'd, I'd probably keep the same back four. I, although there are players that haven't really done their best job, mainly talking about Cresswell and Diop, I don't think the options on the bench are, are noticeably better and, and really just present more risk than reward at this point. Right. Um, midfielders, would you play – would you start Yarmolenko? That's a good question. If Hilaire is fit, I move to a flat four with Fornals, Suchek, Rice, and Bowen. Well, actually, you know what? Even if he's not fit, uh, if I'm I'm putting a back four of I'm putting that four, and then up top I want to have Hilaire if he's fit, Jarmolinko if he if he's not, and Antonio. I think putting Jarmolinko if if Hilaire's not good to go in in the attacking two would be good. I, I, he's definitely not super pacey at this stage of his career, so you don't really want him fully on the wing. But yeah, if I'd I'd give Yarmolenko a chance, or I'd, he definitely would be the first person I'd take off the bench if we're if we find ourselves down or in need of a goal. In in my opinion, if you play that formation, the manager's instructions are going to be key. And the reason I say that is because you're taking one person. We were playing five in the midfield. You're taking one person from the midfield, putting them at striker. I like that. I think that's how we need to play with when we do have a um, Hilaire. And why not start it now? You know, Antonio does a great job kind of us bombing it to him, but he also still needs some support. However, I think you need to instruct either Antonio or Yarmolenko, probably Antonio because he's a little bit faster, that they've got to be a little bit, they've got to come back and, and just at least provide a decent outlet. Uh, keep one striker way pushed up, but then tell one, hey, you've got to come back just a little bit more. I don't yeah. want him all the way back, but but just a little bit. Um, so I, I definitely see that uh, formation working. I, Yarmolenko, to me, I would not be upset if he started. I think he might be the right one to start. Um, I also wouldn't be upset if we subbed him in. I think he definitely deserves some play time, depending on how things are going and who we need on the field. Obviously, that uh, could change. But one person, and I, I would really like to see on the field. I really don't think it's going to happen. But I would, I would love to play that formation, just like you mentioned. Except instead of Yarmolenko, start a Silva. Oh, give give them. That, that's interesting because Silva really hasn't featured for us in the senior team. Right. Yeah, hardly at all. I don't think any Premier League matches at least. No, and, he hasn't. And in the youth leagues, he's been killing it in terms of goals. The reason I say start him here over Yarmolenko, first of all, I don't think Yarmolenko has that um, that endurance for the for the whole game built up. He's a little bit older player. Not super old, but just a little bit older. And so here's what I'm thinking with that. You put in Silva, you give him a half, you give him 60 minutes, you give him an hour. Run, he, he runs his mind off, right? And then you sub in a Yarmolenko, and and there you go. 
I think, yeah, that's definitely key. What now? Here's a question: If Hilaire is fit, do you still start Silva? No, no. If Hilaire's fit, I think okay. you start Hilaire. I, I do like your I do like your idea though, because I you're right. Yarmolenko coming back from injury, still on the older side, especially and not really in match, you know, not in match form yet. I don't think he would survive ninety minutes. Yeah, I don't he probably he wouldn't. So, so starting someone like Silva or even a Yeti, even if, a Yeti. Yeah. Now, uh, Moyes is never going to play a Yeti. Uh, we yeah. <laughs> never start, start starting a younger striker like one of those two and giving them basically say, "Hey, this is your chance. Go take it. You got sixty minutes. Go, go, go for it." That. I that, I think that we could, could be find good. a diamond in the rough. There, we could find. I mean, think of. If we if if we would have never given Ngaki a, a chance, he'd be gone. I mean, he is gone, but he is we gone. <laughs> we would have never gotten those games out of him that were actually, and yeah. yeah. you know, before the restart, were some really really good games out of him. So like, give give those players the opportunity to show themselves, you know, that they deserve a chance in a Premier League team. Yeah, and I think you you have Wilshire on the bench too. Would not mind him coming in again. I think he could be a valuable sub. I also don't believe he would survive, or would it be smart for him to play ninety minutes, especially coming off injury? Um, so let's. I, I'll, I'll say the player that I think Moyes will play, um, because I don't think he actually will play Silva. Yeah, I think you're going to see that Antonio up top again, isolated, and we're going to be bombing balls to him. I think you're going to play that five in the middle, and I can almost promise you that Lanzini is going to start, even though I don't believe he he should. Yeah, he's. I, I'm worried he is going to do the you know don't change a winning side. Well, the 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 starting lineup we had at the beginning isn't a winning side. It was what we did afterwards that that was right. the winning side, and and yeah, I, I'm a little worried. I think there's no excuse to start Lanzini he didn't he hasn't shown anything when he's been subbed on earlier and he didn't show anything when he started yeah today or not today the the last game so it's definitely I'd he'd be the first one off for me and and whether that's another midfielder like a Wilshire or if Noble's back a Noble or if that's a striker in in a Silva or Hilaire that's what I would do yeah, and uh, Chris, it's funny. So you predicted 2-2. I predicted 2-1 a win for West Ham there. Um, no one, I believe, I would love to see the odds on this, but you know, no one predicted the Chelsea win there. 3-2 especially, maybe a 1-0, but 3-2 is, is pretty interesting. So we'll, we'll have to see what the game gives us. Um, but right now we've got it. It's uh, the 5th of July at 2.15 um, p.m. And that's American time, so it's going to be a nighttime game. So it's, it's Actually, 8, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Our time. So 8.15 is the, the UK time. 2.15 is UK time. Yeah. So that's perfect. Uh, perfect Sunday game then. Um, so yeah. Well, Chris, do you have any concluding thoughts? I, I just think we, this is a key game. This could be, if we don't perform, I don't know if this wrecks our season, but if we win, I think this almost certainly saves it. And I think that's, that's the, the we need to go in with the mindset of, this win proves we're a Premier League team. Right. We could save our season with this. It's a defining win. It doesn't destroy our season, but but it's defined. It's a very, very important win. Yeah. And with that, come on, you irons. Come on, you irons.